we are back. Kevin's Corner, Kevin Bowen in studio. Chris Presley on the ones and twos per usual. Thank you all for respecting the little break that was needed for baby Rosie Bowen to come into the world. Rosie Bow. That's right. She's here. She's healthy. She's pooping on dad, peeing on dad. <laughs> She's eating great, gaining weight. Mom's a hero, legend. Um, in all seriousness, thank you to everybody for uh, the genuine texts, DMs, whatnot. Um, boy, man, I, I've seen some nights, some hours that I haven't seen since college. Yeah. I mean, whew. yeah, and instead of just, you know, hoping that the pizza place is still open, it's like, don't fall down the steps while you're rocking the baby, you right. know, one of, one of those. So, uh, Rosie's great. She's awesome. Um, yeah, I, I guess I'm a dad. Yeah, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. It's uh, definitely I felt some feels that I didn't know I, I could feel, which uh, w- w- which have been pretty cool. And um, like I said, my, my my wife Maddie was absolutely amazing. I I like I told you guys throughout this. There's no way I could deliver a baby. No way. Nope. No way. So uh, yeah, I'm just trying to do my part. And uh, ten days old, eleven days old. What are we Tuesday? Yeah, something like that. So, uh, yeah, back, back into the swing of things here on the podcast. Um, written content has stayed up on 107.5thefan.com, so we will continue that. It's crazy to think that we are, hopefully, we are less than a month away from the rookies rep- mm-hmm. reporting for training camp. Yeah. Um, July 22nd. So, we'll, uh, you know, we'll be, we'll try to be every week until then, and hopefully, once we get a training camp schedule, we can map that out and, and, and go from there, man. How, yeah. How's everything in your world? Are you good? Everything's all good over here. Good. Cheeks back in studio. Uh, if you missed it, up on our YouTube page, 107.5 The Fan. Uh, what do we call it? About a segment of Twitter questions? Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little, little chunk of the Twitter questions out there. A, a visual look of, of Chris and I in studio. So hop on uh, over there if you don't uh, know our YouTube page. We've got a lot of video content up on that as as um, as we usually do. Today's podcast, obviously, tons of Twitter questions with, it, with a two-week break from that. Uh, and, and I want to focus a little bit on the quarterback wideout. Uh, chatter, you know, Philip Rivers. Uh, we were able to talk with him on a Zoom call a few weeks ago. We haven't touched on that on the podcast. And then T.Y. Hilton for <laughs> for being one of the, the team's top five players. We probably don't talk about him enough, mm-hmm. or maybe you know he's he's just not the diva whiteout that I think so many guys are around the league. I don't. He's very quiet on social media. Um, hardly really makes a peep compared to most of his other peers that that play that position. So I do want to give a little bit of love and honestly a little bit of debate on a critical season coming up for T.Y. So uh, that'll be the outline of, uh, of today's podcast. Yeah, so you're a new father. Let's jump right into the uh, <laughs> the most established father on the on the oh, Colts man. team, Philip Rivers. How was that call? Can you can you imagine quarantine life with the Rivers family? Well, he said, what, like uh, they have no excuse for being bored? There's so many kids. Zero excuse. <laughs> Nine of them. You know, go play with Sally and, and, and you know, and whatever, Julie and Cindy and, and Amy and – Whoever else, because if you're mad at one sibling, yeah, hey, shit, you got eight other, seven others to go be friends with. Right. So, yeah, all nine of the Rivers uh, kids, I guess 11 family members with mom and dad, they have made the move. Westfield, Noblesville area. I think there were some questions on previous podcasts on where the Rivers family was, was moving to, but um, he said that that's where they're at. And I guess the big news was him initiating – this kind of player run mini camp last week, mm-hmm. and that's usually when these mini camps would would take place. I think Xavier Rhodes, Darius Leonard, several draft picks, Jonathan Taylor, Michael Pittman being being atop that list into the Indy area um, to work out together. And I, I think it's just an absolute must. You know, it's it's one of those things where it's like, well, in the spring they don't wear pads, so who cares if they're not practicing? 
why do you have these 13 OCA sessions if they don't mean at least something? Like yeah. something of a timing standpoint, just to get to know people standpoint for, for Philip Rivers' sake. I mean, he's walking into a new building for the first time in his entire NFL career. Uh, I mean, I guess maybe San Diego to L.A., they were working out of different buildings, but you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. It's just, it, it is different. Um, you know, he talked about how, and this is Rivers, that he doesn't feel like it's as big of a jump as maybe it would appear on paper. You know, 16 years with one organization, now a totally different team, and you don't get the offseason program of the 10 OTAs and the three minicamp practices because he says that, with Nick Sirianni's background, Frank Reich's background, the wideouts and the tight ends of the Colts are coached exactly like the San Diego, mm-hmm. L.A. wideouts and tight ends were coached. And by that, I mean route running, how you're drilled to come out of your routes. Um, you know, how do you how do you run this route out of this formation and, and this down and distance? Maybe there's a slight tweak to how you run a certain route as well. So I think those are some of the elements that, that Rivers points to of, like, I don't think it'll be that immense of a learning curve as it appears to be on paper. Uh, but he was very adamant that getting this time in, a little bit extra time he's got in with Paris Campbell and Jack Doyle, who are both living here in Indy during the offseason, um, is body movement. Like, you know, T.Y. especially. I remember Andrew Luck saying to Frank Reich a few years ago, Look, T.Y. doesn't run maybe the exact precise route like you draw it up on the board, but just trust me. There's an innate ability that T.Y. and Andrew had that allows us to be on the same wavelength, and, like, he eventually gets there. It might not, again, be the exact linear sort of line that you want to see, but Hilton gets it done. So I think that aspect to the in-person stuff is much, much needed um, for Rivers here in the offseason. And... I think he is self-motivated. I think he needs to be self-motivated, you know, in the 16th season of, like, he said last year that while it didn't dominate his mind, the fact that he even admits it clearly indicates that it was on his mind, Mm -hmm. that he heard the chatter. Yeah. He heard the, you're over the hill. You can't do it anymore. You've lost your arm strength. There's a reason the Chargers are saying no to you at this point of your career, even though you feel like physically you, you, you can still play the game. So... Rivers wanted to tell them, well, shoot, go go turn on the tape. And I'm like, okay, I get that. But, like, you did throw 20 picks. You had one of the lowest passer ratings of your entire career. I think it was right. the third lowest of his career. Like, there should be an element to prove some things. Now, much different offensive line, much different skill group, much different environment in general, and that's why the Colts feel like he can get back to being whatever. You know, so so many people ask me, like, okay, what what would constitute a good season for Rivers? I think if he can be a top twelve quarterback in the league, ten ten ish, you know, like that should be enough, I think, to get this team into the playoffs. So it's hard for me to like pinpoint X amount of number. We get so many over unders every week of how many touchdowns, how many yards, all that stuff. Like, if he can just manage the operation and. I feel like he's got to win more as a chess match guy than as a. I was a former. What was he? Was he top five pick? I think he, he was. I think he was very high. It more as that, you know, incredibly talented player that he is or was at at one point in his career. I think him and Frank Reich outthinking people 
is how this operation gets done because I'm not as sold that Rivers has everything there physically, and I'm definitely not sold on Mike Williams walking out of the tunnel and Keenan Allen walking out of the tunnel. Like, there were some plays last year where dudes just outdooted people. I, I, I don't even know if that's a phrase, but... Um, well, I mean, these are arguably some of the most competitive people in the world, so not only Rivers having a chip on his shoulder, but even though he's a number one receiver for us, T.Y. has a chip on his shoulder as well. Yeah, he he, he, he definitely does. And, and I, I think that with Hilton, and, and listeners of this podcast will know, I've always been a huge T.Y. Hilton fan. I think with Andrew Luck, Hilton was a routinely a top five to seven wide out in this league. Some people might not totally agree with that. I know the consistency maybe over the course of a 16-game season wasn't like 75 yards, 80 yards. Like it wasn't like at that mark week in and week out. But I still think he was one of the top receivers in the NFL. And I guess if you're filling out a Pro Bowl roster, whatever, like, okay, three wideouts in the AFC, three in the NFC or whatever, Hilton was that. I mean, what is he, a four-time Pro Bowl or something like that? But as I crunch the numbers a little bit more, Chris, I think we have to be honest with it and – there's some context to go with this. So let's not like just listen to what I'm about to say and all of a sudden, you know, turn off the podcast. T.Y. Hilton, when Andrew Luck is not his quarterback, has not been a Pro Bowl wideout. He really hasn't been that close to being a Pro Bowl wideout, to be honest with you. I mean, he's averaged, I want to say it's like, I want to say it's like 20 yards per game less. When Hill, when when Luck is his, uh, is not his quarterback. Yep, twenty one yards. What is it? Do you have the numbers up there? I do. With eighty two games with Luck, five catches per game, seventy nine point three yards per game, fifteen point nine yards per reception. He had twenty eight one hundred yard games, which is thirty eight percent of those eighty two games. Without Luck, the thirty six games without him, four catches per game, so one less, fifty eight point three yards per game, twenty one less. 14.6 yards per reception, five 100-yard games, which is 14% of those games. So, yeah, I mean, the, the, the two that stand out to me right there are the yards per game. Mm-hmm. 21 yards is a significant amount, 79 to 58. I mean, that's the difference between a 1,000-yard season and not having a 1,000-yard yeah. season. And then the 100-yard the games. What do you say, 38% with luck? 100, uh, 34%, 34% of the games. I mean, that's, that's a huge number. Yeah. And then he goes down to 14%. Yep. Without luck. And, and again, there is context. And the context is outside of Matt Hasselbeck for a whatever, a three game stretch, he's had a bunch of, you know, cheeks throwing him the ball. <laughs> you know, to be honest, like it, it just, it, it, it hasn't been pretty. So I, I think that's where you have to be honest of like Rivers falls into, you would think somewhere in between how poor some of the quarterback play has been for Hilton and then all the way to Andrew Luck. Like you'd think Rivers falls maybe closer to Luck, honestly than the Hasselbacks and the Brissettes and the Tolzines and the Whitehurst and Lindley and Freeman and some of those names. So basically what I'm getting at is where is T.Y. Hilton at the age of 30? Right. He had some big drops in that Houston game last year when the ball was on the money. He's had injury. He's missed 25% of games over the last two years. That's that's a number that makes you go, oh, how much money do we want to give him in that third contract? Like, there are some pause. This will be an interesting back and forth from a contract negotiation standpoint because at the end of the day, he's still the alpha. He's still the guy that strikes fear in opposing defensive coordinators more so than any other pass catcher for the Colts. So it's both sides have some leverage here. 
And I'm very, very interested to see which Hilton shows up this season. Um, well, a quick question for you, just based off of that, of that 20 yards difference, how much would Hilton have to gain back for you to feel like? That's you, a good question. I mean, it's a field yeah. possession game, so 20 yards when it's a, a game of chess, and you, you know, oh. that that puts you potentially in field goal range. Huge, and we saw what the field goal did to the Colts last year. Right. I mean, yeah, it's 20 yards is nothing to sneeze at, and then you extrapolate that over. Cheeks is on. Cheeks is on the. Uh, he's on the table. Look at him right now. Spider monkey. Oh my god. <laughs> Jesus. Um, yeah, he is um, 20 yards a lot. I would say, to me, I and I'm not great with this, but I know people are obsessed with like projecting numbers in a season, so I'll do it. If Hilton can give me 14-ish games, hover right around 1,000 yards, I, I don't think he necessarily has to be 1,000. No. But, but, you know, over 850, mm-hmm. I, I, I would say, I think I'm giving him a multiple-year extension. That's fair. Yeah, I, I think, again, health has got to get close to 100%, so 14-ish games, and then, you know, 900-some yards. I just don't want to put too much pressure on Michael Pittman, Paris Campbell. These are two 22-year-olds. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are still y- young dudes. So I don't, you don't want to just throw this incredible burden on them to be like, all right, uh, time to show up. Um, ideally, yes, that would happen, but easing them along a la you know what you're able to do with a Reggie Wayne or uh you know things like that I, I I think would be good but I just think we have to be honest with Hilton at this age as well I've talked about this and this is back when when Joey and I were doing some pods early in the year I don't have the numbers or the names in front of me but I think over the last three years it's something like four wideouts in the NFL of age 30 yeah have been a thousand yard wideouts and it's Julio who's a freak Larry Fitzgerald, who's a freak in in, in a different way, mm-hmm. um, Julian Edelman, who's a possession guy, and then Antonio Brown is is, is freak in the dictionary in, in more ways than one. That's not Hilton. We don't. I don't like look at Hilton as in, and, and it's not a major knock. It's just like those dudes are different. Edelman yeah. will catch eight balls for seventy seven every week, and Hilton's more of like I'll catch five for one ten. That's just kind of how is. So does this game evolve with Rivers? I, I'm just really fascinated to see how Hilton performs this season because without Andrew Luck, he's probably a top 25 wideout in the league. I, I, I don't know. I'd be, I mean, it, it, it's not – the numbers are not 100%. This is a 1,000-yard wideout. This is a Pro Bowl guy. Mm-hmm. So where does he fall in this season? I'll be really, really curious to see. What was it, three days that they all got together for – Route running and yeah, it was about three days last week. Uh, rookies, I think, are still in Indy, or at least were in Indy last week. Okay, um, they came in. We saw several or the last two, I guess, sign their uh, contracts. Julian Blackman and, and and Michael Pittman. Blackman's allowed to work out at the facility because he's you know dealing with the ACL. Um, and and River said he'll be in Indy all year long, no family vacation. I mean, when you're taking those eleven, yeah. you know you you got to alert the city that that you're moving out of town for a little bit. Um, so I'll be, you know, how often does he get together with these guys? Because I just, I think it's big. I think it's paramount, especially if you're going to shorten the preseason. Any as well, that right. misses, you know, some some game reps. So, um, yeah, I, I wanted to hit on uh, Hilton and, and Rivers before we got to Twitter Twitter questions. Well, let's jump into those. First question of this week, and like you said, we do have a, a good amount. Um, Logan wants to congratulate you. And Maddie oh. on the on Baby Rosie. Thank you, Logan. Appreciate that. Also wants to welcome you personally to the coolest club on the face of the planet. There we go. There we 
There we go. What will we see first this year? T.Y. Hilton and one other receiver over 1,000 yards or the defensive line getting a combined 50, 50 sacks? 50 sacks? Holy shit. My wife just texted me a picture of Rosie. Miss you, Dad. This is the first time I've been really, really away. Not What's your camera roll look like right now not to get your sa- phone? It has changed in a hurry. <laughs> I mean, it has changed from, like, screenshotted funny barstool tweets right. to, uh, to a lot of babies. So let me send this text. Miss you, Rosie. Not to get sappy on the pod, but uh, we got to go real life here. It's true. Um all right, give give it to me one more time. Logan says Hilton, Hilton and another and, wideout and another wideout over a thousand, or the defensive line getting fifty sacks. Um, Hilton and another wideout is is a much better chance of um, of that. Fifty sacks is an absurd number. Forty one last year. Forty total, right? Total. I mean, he's saying just D line. Yeah, I I will. I am willing to guess the Indianapolis Colts have never reached 50 sacks in it in a single season. So, Logan, I just think – I'm not saying, like, Hilton and another wideout having 1,000 is easy. It is not easy. I'm not, like, acting like you just fall out of bed and, and do that. But um, let me look up last year's sack. So, so you said 41? Yes. Okay. Um, all right. I got it right here. So just D-line, okay? Mm-hmm. Houston had 11. Sheard four and a half, Autry three and a half, Stewart three, Muhammad three, Banigou two and a half, Ture one and a half. That's twenty nine, just for the D line. You're twenty one more on top of that. Let's go. I mean, DeForest Buckner, somebody, but I mean, that's boy, that's um, that's a lot, Logan. I can't, I can't go there, man. Neither are very, very likely, but far and away, I, I would say another receiver having a thousand. Francisco wants to know on a scale from not really to I'm about to get a therapist. How worried are you that there will be an NFL season, especially with some of the players now testing positive for COVID-19 and assuming more positive cases will occur in the future? Gosh, Francisco, I, uh, boy, I, I would say I'm close to getting a therapist, but, but I, I'm biased because um, it's my job. <laughs> like, I mean, this is. This is my, like everyone out there, we're fans and, and you're invested in sports to a degree, but like, yeah, this is kind of the living. And especially when you're, when you're a new father, there's a few more sleepless nights about this of like, wow, I really hope sports comes back and really hope live sports and I really hope team sports and fans in the stands and all those things. So, you know, I'm cautiously optimistic that it'll happen. I, you know, this is our weekly question that we get. Um, but we do always say going back to the fact that they have time. And now with they the have MLB time. coming back. And they the have NBA. time, but time is ticking. It is. It, it, it like, is. you're going to have to make some concrete decision on training camp within the next two to three weeks. Me, personally, I think they all should come a week early to the cities. So, like, basically how training camp works is the Colts report July 28th, veterans of the 28th, and then they practice the very next day. Like, it, it's not like you, you report and then you, you know, have a, have a retreat at, you know, freaking Camp Tecumseh yeah. for a week. Like, no, no, no. Like, you report, and then you practice that next day. So my thinking is, and the obviously the NFLPA would have to sign off on this, why not report July 20th? Look what we're seeing in college football right now. And, like, people are freaking out about these college football and players testing positive. What the hell did you expect? There yeah. are 100 players scattered across the country that probably have not been social distancing very well. They're going to be po- there's going to be positive tests. Then the idea is 
they come into your atmosphere and you're able to somewhat, and I know college kids are a different breed, somewhat control that atmosphere. Um, That's what I think the NFL should do. You know, get your 90-man roster in the building for a week, test everybody. If you've got three, five, seven guys that are positive, okay, isolate them, quarantine them. Once they're good to go, they can practice. Because if you have seven that are going to test positive right away, well, that takes them out of potentially a week of training camp. Yeah. I'm trying to, like, avoid some of the training camp practices. But um, I don't know. It, it's, this is going to sound really harsh, Chris. And, and I'm not a harsh human being. I'm, I'm, I'm a father of a daughter. I should be soft. I should have some, <laughs> some you know, some emotional side to me. We, we're, to have sports this year, we're going to have to treat COVID like it's a player going on the DL. And that sounds harsh. And we're going to have to treat it like it's, it's another injury. Yeah. And I know people are going to be like, yeah, just wait till that player's on a ventilator. You know, it, it, that, that 0.1% happens. And I get that. That's going to be horrific. But for us to have sports, if you're going to throw in that caveat, if a player gets COVID, all right, you're out for X amount of days. X, like, it's like a sprained ankle. It's like, And I know it's not that easy, but we're going to have to accept that as a sports world of, all right, that guy is out. Maybe you're able to add a roster spot. Like, maybe you make a special exemption mm-hmm. for that sort of thing. But... I just think look, it's not ideal, but everyone has to accept some sort of sacrifice. Right. And, yeah, that's what we're going to have to do, man. I, I, I don't know. Make, do you have any idea? Make me feel better. Am I, I, am I totally no, I, off? Like, I don't think anyone – no, you're saying what everyone else is or most people are thinking is I don't know. Yeah, and, and I don't know. I'm throwing shit at the wall and hoping it sticks. And you us know? being sports fans and being consumed by it and being a career – that's what you kind of have to look at it like. Yeah, and I'm trying not to like insert my bias of like this is my job. I'm really trying not to. I think it's somewhat feasible. I know the PGA Tour, like Nick Watney, he tests positive. He withdraws from the tournament. You test the 11 people that were closest with him. Mm-hmm. They don't test for it. Okay, tournament happens. Like, I know individual sports is different than team sports, and obviously, like an offensive lineman testing, you know, maybe his offensive line mates would be more likely. Obviously, there's physical contact during games. That's a whole different animal, but I feel okay about the NFL because their lifespans are short in the league. You know, baseball just pisses me off, but like baseball players play longer than guys in the NFL play. So I think there'll be a willingness for the NFL to for their players to play more. If you're a friend roster guy, one year at the age of 24, 26, that could be the difference between you hanging on and, and being gone. So, And they might be more willing to play too then at that point. Right, that's I mean, what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah I, I feel like there is a little bit more. Of, well, sure, you're going to have some people who are going to be like, screw that. But there might be more of a risk. You're going to have to sign on a dotted line. That's just That's just life. And people will take that risk. Yeah, oh yeah. Lawrence wants to uh, wish you a happy belated Father's Day. Thanks, Lawrence. So let's say the Colts are waiting to see how Marlon Mack does this year with Taylor before offering an extension. How much do you think a reasonable offer would be to keep the running back duo together for the next few years? Yeah, I mean, a really good question, Chris. Um, I I think they will wait, and I I think they might wait on all these extensions, just COVID-related of, like, salary cap. But with Mack... I guess the first question that I would have is, like, what is the market for Marlon Mack? He's 23, 24. That's great. 
Um, he doesn't do much on third down. That's not in his favor because I feel like there is an element of, like, if you're going to be a top 10 running back in the league, unquestionably, you got to give me something on the passing downs. Um, you know, I could see something of, like, six-ish million, seven-ish million for Mac. Maybe that's a tick high. If I'm the Colts, I could probably make it work for about $5 million. And obviously, if you're the Colts, I would think you'd want to bring him. I don't think $5 million would be totally like, nope, the cap situation's way too dire. Now, if the cap is restricted in any way, maybe $5 billion becomes a lot more precious to you. Mm-hmm. But, like, no matter what happens at quarterback, it's not like the Colts are shelling out five-year, $120 million anytime soon for a quarterback. I, I just... I, I don't know how that would be possible. Um, maybe Bill O'Brien will trade, you know, Deshaun Watson of the Colts for, you know, Jack's Donuts or something. Like, it, it's basically, I think from a financial stance, you're in decent shape. My question is, why would Marlon Mack want to come back? I think that is the honest conversation that I feel like not everyone is having. Like, it's not what can the Colts do to try and bring him back. You've got to put yourself in that guy's shoes. This is a two-way street. And running backs are a total different breed when it comes to the second contract. But that is that where I sent you a list last week. The amount of running did, backs yes, that are yes. coming up. Bring that up. Maybe go that ahead. maybe that go maybe that helps the Colts in terms of negotiation. Guys on one year deal right now, you have Dalvin Cook, Aaron Jones, Derek Henry, Leonard Fournette, Joe Mixon, Alvin Kamara, Kenyon Drake, Todd Gurley, James Conner, Damian Williams, Kareem Hunt, Tariq Cohen, Marlon Mack, Chris Carson, Jamal Williams, Matt Breida. Yeah, some very good names. So if he doesn't, if he doesn't get one of those contracts first, do those dominoes fall quicker, and then he kind of is forced yeah. to come back to the Colts? It, it, it's a good point. I probably haven't given it as much attention as I should, but I think there will still be some team like some of those, like Todd Gurley. It's a miracle that he found what he found this year. I think at the age of twenty three or twenty four, what Marlon Mack has proven in the NFL, I think one of thirty two teams will give him six to seven million and the lead back role. He's not gonna be the lead like Jonathan Taylor's taking forty first overall. Folks, unless he's Rashad Penny or Ronald Jones, like you draft a running back from the top fifty in the past few years, they usually succeed and they usually need the ball a lot. So I just think Matt can find that elsewhere. And this is the only time he's gonna get paid. Mm-hmm. This is it. I mean if he can go get two, three years for twenty, okay, three year, twenty one million versus two year, eleven, a little bit of higher guarantees from the Colts, like that might not be worth the risk for him because who knows when you're going to blow out that knee. So that's that's how I look at Mac, and I also just feel like at running back, anything less than like ten million or anything more than ten million investing in that group is probably a little bit too much for me. Okay. Which, the nice thing is, Taylor's obviously on that rookie contract. Yeah. Got a question from Germany, from Jay. Oh. Wants to say hello to you and congratulations to you and your wife and the best in the future. Thank you, Jay. So his question, how would you rank the Colts in an imaginary power ranking if Andrew Luck was still on their center? (laughs) Boy, uh, this is our, you know, we get a Luck question every week. Mm -hmm. So we have a... I think it's good that our podcast produces a minute to two minute morning <laughs> segment each week about Andrew Luck. Uh, maybe it's not morning. Maybe it's torture. But um, how would I rank the Colts in an imaginary power ranking of Andrew Luck? Do they still have DeForest Buckner? 
I mean, yeah, that's where I guess you start going. That's where you get a little finicky of like, well, if you had luck last year, you wouldn't have gone seven and nine. Therefore, would San Francisco want the twenty yeah. fifth pick instead of the thirteenth pick? Let's just cool. say with this roster and luck. Okay. Um. Boy, I can't see how I wouldn't put them in the top six, seven. I mean, I think they'd be very close to the same breath as Baltimore and Kansas City. Very close. The, the, how they played against Kansas City in that playoff game two years ago, it still kind of rubs me the wrong way. That was just a total no-show. And really, it was from your offensive line. And your, I mean, luck wasn't good in that game. But your offensive line against that D-line, mm-hmm. just you couldn't establish the run at all. And I guess that's like my only real barometer to go off of, of like, all right, here it is, big-time moment. Like, you know, that's that's the team. That's, that's the New England-ish type of AFC team. Uh, but I still think they would be, uh, yeah, I mean, right there for sure. Um. Yeah, third best team in the AFC. It's yeah, that's torture, Jay. <laughs> that that is torture. Eric wants to congratulate you again on the birth of Rosie, and he wants to uh, hope you're letting <laughs> Mama Bowen get plenty of sleep. So, which <laughs> I mean, great advice. Yes, that is great advice. We are. What's your best Rosie story so far? He wants to know if if it's something you'd be able to tell. Oh gosh! Wow, um, boy, that I'm willing to share. Boy, I hope my wife. What are we? My wife usually doesn't listen. We're about what thirty minutes in. There's there's no way she's listening this deep. Um, <laughs> like I said, I I'm I'm seeing hours of the night that I haven't seen in quite a while. And like you know, when you wake up at two or three a.m., it's kind of like neither her, my wife nor me is functioning at a high level. We're both speaking just gibberish. She's like. You know, you go down there, grab this, and I'm like, yeah, I will. And then I come up and I bring, like, salt and pepper when I should have brought, like, you know, something to help Rosie feed. Like, I mean, just I, I'm just totally off my game. Um, I would say, I guess before I touch on the story, I've never been a big believer in coffee. I drink it maybe once or twice a month. There, maybe. Goes, a spo- there goes a potential sponsorship. Yeah, I know I shouldn't have said that out loud. But I'm open to it now. <laughs> I'm very open to it now. Let me let me tell you. I, I now uh, understand why why people are like, yeah, uh, give me a a um, what do they call it? An IV Keurig and just strap me up for the day yeah. with about seven cups. Um, I would say this: Father's Day, wake up, whatever, one a.m. I have no idea if it's Father's Day or what, whatever. My wife's like, Happy Father's Day. I'm like, Thanks. She's like, Will you go change Rosie? I'm like, Yeah. So I go across the hall, a changer, and um, Rosie has mastered the the delayed releasing of her of her waist. Um, so, and not to get too graphic, but whatever, we're all family here on this podcast. You know, you, you're undoing the diaper, and like you think, okay, there's what she has deposited out. Okay, good. Um, you got to have fast hands, and boy, some my hands have been a little slow a few times, and. Man, she'll come out five or ten seconds later and be like, "Yeah, Dad, uh, you weren't quick enough. Here's another surprise." Right. And boom, I'm like, I'm I'm the slow middle line. No, at times I'm the fast defensive end that doesn't read the draw play and gets way too upfield. And Rosie's thirty yards by me, and I'm I've just opened it up. But I will say, on Father's Day in the afternoon, I I knew it was coming, and uh, she wasn't going to get by me. And I read it, I attacked it, I captured it all, Perfect. got it locked in there, and I let out. I, 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 I'm, a, I'm a loud yeller in watching sports. I haven't yelled much. I yelled during the Belmont Stakes, won, won a little bit of money on that there on Saturday. Go. But uh, I haven't yelled a lot uh, in a while. And, I mean, I yelled out, a, yes, let's go. <laughs> I mean, I was, I was 
pumped. Oh, I mean, I was like, I got it. And I captured it. We didn't have to use another diaper there. So, um, yeah, she's got this little delay trigger to her that uh, it's kind of like, all right, I could be five seconds. I might be 15. I got I, I, fresh air. I might, you know, be willing to let it out a little bit more. So, yeah, sorry if that was too graphic. No, but, you're, uh, you're learning. Yeah, I've, you know, I channel my inner Anthony Walker. Read it, okay? Dissect it, okay? Draw, play, sit in your gap, read, react, and come in, and boom, fill it, and let's go. <laughs> there you go, Eric. Oh, man. Sorry if that was too much. No, it's great. That one guy, in your time covering the Colts, have you ever had a moment similar to Ballard when he drafted Zach Banner, a draft pick slash free agent signing where – you were just left asking, what are we doing here, guys? Wow, that's a good question. Um, that, that's a really good question. I can't say very often. I would say Leonard, I was kind of like, wow, this is really early for, um, you know, division, what, whatever they call it now, FCS linebacker that you know, 90% of draft pundits said, 36 overall? What? Like, yeah. you know, no one really thought that. I, I even thought about Braden Smith a pick later when it looked like Braden Smith was going to play guard. I'm like, wait, two guards in the first 40 picks? Like, because Smith had started, I think he had, I want to say like 41 starts at Auburn and 39 were a guard. It was mm-hmm. like, no, 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 he is a guard. You know, that was, even the Colts thought that. Uh, which is crazy to think back on. We can say this in another podcast, but like, the the tragic death of Denzel Good's brother led to Braden Smith playing right tackle. Right. And that offensive line group has been the same ever since. Like, it's it's crazy how NFL dominoes, or really, I mean, life dominoes fall. Um, what are we doing here, guys? I'd say Ryan Grant, the wideout last year, two years ago, free agent. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he did absolutely nothing. And that was it. Like, that's the move. <laughs> that's what we're going to give the support to I Hilton. It's kind of like, what? There's the missing piece. Yeah. Um... I still think, and this will, some people will be like, just get over it, but ask the, I, I still think the John Simon cut was just, was such a head scratcher. Like, you're going to spew this, the locker room knows best, and, you know, they know full well who the best players are, and you're going to cut, you're a 4-12 and football team, you're going to cut John Simon, who is clearly one of your better defensive players. So he's not good enough for you, but he's good enough for the Super Bowl champions? <laughs> like, <Yep. laughs> Belichick's like, oh, we will take John Simon, and he will play meaningful snaps for us. So that one to me was like, no, don't don't say the locker room knows best, and no matter where guys are signed or drafted, the best players will 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 make the team. No, that that wasn't the case there. That was a case of I want to play the young guys, and they've now admitted that. They now have said like, no, early on with the defense, it was about playing the young guys. Like it was a bit of a you know, tank is probably too harsh of a word, but it was a. All right, uh, he's 28, 29. Like, John Simon isn't part of our future, future. Like, yes, he's better than Terrell Basham, but we're going to play Terrell Basham yep. or, you know, what, whatever. So I, I still strongly disagree with that, with the Simon thing. Um, yeah, that's, that, that, that's probably it, probably it. I feel like the, um, and I know Dan has brought this up on our airwaves, the, the, the Ballard Grigson debate has gotten a little hotter. Yes, and Dan and Dan, you know, has certainly been a big, big Grigson guy, um, and I, I feel like I have kind of touched on this, but I guess it's worth mentioning again. Where I stand on the whole, whole Ballard Grigson thing is, if you were to evaluate things at year four of each person's 
uh, rebuild, if you will. The foundation of Ballard's house is on much, much, much firmer ground. And I, and outside of luck, I don't think that was the case with Gregson. The 2013 draft, you had swung and miss already on Werner and Colin Holmes and Hugh Thornton. And then 2014, you, you, you trade away your first-round pick for Trent Richardson. Like, you get no return on that whatsoever. Um, you know, Moncrief was kind of up in the air. Muhort ends up, you know, calling it quits a little earlier. You know, D- Dorsett flames out. Deshaun Smith, Deshaun Smith flames out. Like, you, you were missing routinely on the early picks. And that's where I get back to the foundation. Like, wasn't great. The 2013 free agency class wasn't good. 2015, try to make up for it again. That doesn't lead to the results. So, I know the wins and losses were definitely in Grigson's favor. Um, and that's what's got to change f- for Ballard. Like, the foundation can be good. You can have these young guys that you're like, okay, second contract for Leonard and Nelson and Brayden Smith and, and Hines and, and Torres emergent. Like, that's awesome. But it's got to lead to wins and losses. And you'll have some people be like, well, no, that's that's not the GM's job to, you know, all of a sudden, you know, talent equates to wins and losses. Like, don't we sit here and say Frank Reich's a better coach than Chuck Pagano? Yeah. So it, it, you know, why isn't it leading mm-hmm. to more wins and losses? Because the stat is the stat. Without Andrew Luck, and that's what a lot of people are, are, are quickly to go to with Gregson. Well, that was all luck. Without luck, the Colts were 6-4 and four under Gregson. That's that's pretty good football without your franchise quarterback. This regime without luck. What were you seven and nine last year and four and twelve the first year? What's that? Four and seven, eleven and twenty, twenty one, eleven and twenty one. Trying to do math off the top of my head, not, not easy. So like, it is time. You know the, the 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 with and without luck. That is no reason to make an argument for Ballard over Gregson because if you look at the win-loss record, 6-4 and four to 11-21, and 21, that's a stark, stark difference. So I think the foundation is better, much better, and if you can figure out long-term quarterback, you're going to be able to, I think, build, but the wins and losses need to start happening, and they need to start happening now. we got an over-under question from Sam. He's setting the number at 11 and a half, and that number is how many times that the game announcers mention how many kids Philip Rivers has in the regular season. <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, what do you say, 11 and a half? 11 and a half. That's high. Unless Jim Nance is on the call, I going under. Okay. Nance is a sappy one for that, but yeah, I'll go under on that one. That is one of those, like, and you and you probably get this a lot because you're, because the team that you watch, Tennessee, volunteers, um, you know, you're watching them on different networks. They aren't necessarily on, like, mainstream every single week. Right. So, like, you probably get the same storylines over and over again of, like, yes, we know that the quarterback's sister is a great track star at college. You know, like, everyone knows that Victor Oladipo has a twin. Or, you know, did you know Oliver Luck ran the XFL? And then, you know, have, like, okay, we, like, the whole River storyline, I feel like, has been beaten to a drum. Marcus has a question. Uh, following the draft and the offseason acquisitions, what moves do you think still need to be made, i.e. what holes need to be filled? Yeah, I would say O-line depth for sure, Marcus. I will preach that for a long time. Um, and, like, I, I don't know how you fill that at an adequate level. And, and we've talked about that. 
I think you'd like to see a corner emerge, and I mean outside corner. Kenny Moore, everyone knows what, what I think of Kenny Moore. But like Rocky Seen, Xavier Rhodes, somebody grab that a little bit. I know you don't you don't play like a ton of bona fide number one wideouts, but like, okay, here comes Green Bay. Do you want to shadow Devontae Adams? You know, like, yeah, Hopkins is out of your division, but like is AJ Brown turning into a stud? You know, is he gonna be a definite like hey, you got to get that guy, and you got to shadow him, and you got to do that. So I think you want to just have that in your back pocket of, like, we do feel like we have a corner that can do these things. And I just posted something on Rocky Scene on 107.5thefan.com. I encourage you all to to read it. I feel like it it takes a deeper – he graded as an average starter last year by the Colts. Average. The article explains a little bit more on why, why they're still so bullish, and what Rock will tell you. Because Rock was very handsy in that Denver game, Cortland Sutton grabbing and and you know fundamental breakdowns and penalty filled day, but he doesn't point to that as his biggest improvement. I think there's a little bit of insight in there of what Rock feels like he needs to improve on. That that is good. Going back to a little bit uh, earlier, you talked about Dan on the airwaves this last week. No sitting on the sidelines for this one. Jarrell Freeman or Darius Leonard? Oh gosh, who asked this one? This is from Jake. So this is the other thing that Dan was was chiming about. God, there, there's the entertainment from from noon to three is second to none. Um, Leonard, bar none. Yeah, uh, the impactful plays just mean way too much. You know, if you're gonna nitpick real fine, and I, I think Joel Freeman is a really good player here. Really, and Gregson deserves a lot. That might have been his first ever signing. Honestly, deserves a lot of credit for that. Drell Freeman showed a level of consistency downs one, two, and three and play 1-60 to 60 that probably Leonard needs to work on. Like, Leonard, as, as a rundown linebacker, no, I wouldn't call him at an all-pro level. Really, I wouldn't. But Darius Leonard has put up numbers in the NFL that no player's ever put up. None. None. I'm not saying a Colt. I'm not saying a rookie. No player in the history of the National Football League to channel yeah. my inner Chris <laughs> Berman. Like, I almost said Mortensen. Um, yeah, Leonard. You know, Freeman, nice, nice career. He got popped for PEDs up in Chicago. Um, Leonard. Leonard. All right, Joshua's got a question for us that have a lot of names and a multi-question. Multi okay. okay. so, so bear with me here for a yeah. second. Naheem Hines, Kari Willis, Bobby Okariki, Paris Campbell, Ben Banigou, Zach Paschal, Rocky Seen, Marvell Tell III, Mo Cox, Darius Fountain, which two non-rookies break out? Which two disappoint? If I told you there would be one pro, one pro bowler, pardon me, on this list, who would you put your money on? Oh, wow. That's good. Okay. Um, okay, so first he wants two non-rookies to break out out of that list. Yes. Well, I feel like let's go with the most obvious one that I feel like has received that. I'll say Okariki. Um, I don't know. Actually, probably some people would say Campbell. Boy, I I want to go with Willis. I think Willis is a safer bet for me. I'll go Okariki and Willis. I'm a little nervous about will Okariki get the playing time to show that. Campbell and Hines would be the two that I think are knocking on that door. Which two disappoint? Hmm. I'll go with Fountain and and, and Allie Cox. And I guess like. 
a lot of it is like, what is your expectation for him? I, we have this infatuation with both of those guys. Yeah. Allie Cox, it's the ex-basketball player. Oh, my gosh, we're obsessed with him. If you saw him in a VCU uniform, you were like, oh, my God, that dude could break me in half. Uh, Reese Fountain, it's like fifth-round pick. He was taken before Deion Kane. He flashed at training camp. Like, every, everyone loves the drafted rookie yeah, wideout. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's like a, a, a sex appeal to that almost. But, yeah, I'll say those two guys. Okay, and then who's your pro bowler? Oh, pro bowler. I forgot about that one. Pro bowler of that group. Like, it's hard for, I think, Hines and Willis to, like, really. Uh, yeah, I don't even know why I would say Hines. Bant, no. I'll say uh, Okariki. But I, I don't feel like that's happening this year. I, I don't feel like that's imminent. But, yeah, to entertain the question, I'll go with that. You know I'm a loophole guy. Yeah. I think we've made that clear over the last couple podcasts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is Hines your uh, returner? In, in the Pro Bowl. Ooh, is that is good. Guy? I like that. I didn't even think about that. Yes. Good good work. God, you're on your game, man. I can tell you don't have a baby waking you up at <laughs> 2 a.m. Um, I do not. Yeah, Hines, yeah, certainly. I would think Hines would be, a, would, would be a, a strong possibility. All right, Z-Palm, KB, congrats to you and the wife. Looking back, do you think the early cut of Dion Kane was the right move? Initially, I thought we gave up too early, but now I'm wondering if Ballard used it to set the tone in the locker room. Well, now that I think about it, I should have said Deion Kane for that question earlier, like kind of the head-scratching. Uh, it, it's still a head-scratching move to me. Um, I don't think it was the right move. It wasn't necessary. Your roster wasn't that dire for numbers. And I'm sorry, but like, if you're going to send a message to your football team, I think cutting out of an Atari would have sent a little bit more of a message than cutting a six-round wide out that is, like, fourth on the depth chart. Mm-hmm. Like, I I don't think the whole Deion Kane did a whole lot. Your wide out position sucked before he was, you know, when he was on the team and sucked when, when afterwards. Like, it's not like it, it really did much. Um, I don't think it set any tone in that locker room. Hell, you were, from a win-loss standpoint, well, you were 5-3 and three with Kane on the football team, and you were 2-and-whatever, and, whatever, two and 6 without him, I guess. So... No, um, I, I just don't agree with the Kane thing. I know he flashed a little bit in Pittsburgh, and it's just ACL, be patient. You weren't – I, I keep on going back to you were not in a dire need roster number. You were never really in a critical, holy, oh, we've got to cut this guy because we need health at another – you never got there last season mm-hmm. as a football team. You never were in a – Here's seven inactives on a Wednesday because they're all hurt, like you were the previous year on that Thursday night game up in Foxborough. So I just don't agree with it. Um, I thought you could have been a little bit more more patient. Okay, not the greatest work ethic, whatever. Put them on the practice squad like you had them or, you know, leave them inactive on your 53-man roster. You can find other – you know, you try to do it with Quincy Wilson. You can find other ways to send messages than, than that, but – um. No, I mean, if, if you're going to set a tone in your locker room, cut the guy that's costing you football games, failing at his job. And that's what the kicker was doing. Brandon wants to know if you can explain to him how the practice squad works a little bit more. You often hear that a player was claimed off another team's practice squad. Are they released from that, from there and then picked up? Also, do you listen or follow any other Colts podcasts? Yeah, good good question, Brandon. I would First, um, I do. I do listen to other Colts podcasts. I enjoy talking to my colleagues, listening to what I will say that I don't have that much time in the day um, to consume everything. And I consume a lot of golf and Notre Dame podcasts. So uh, 
I'm probably listening to those at first, but um, yeah, I do. I, I I don't. I guess I don't know. Maybe two a week. Other Colts podcasts, maybe. Um, practice squad. Usually ten guys was up to twelve. Was it up to twelve last year? I think it was. And now there's they're flirting around with sixteen. Ian Rapport mentioned sixteen this year for the practice squad. And why you do that? Because. Uh, a little bit more of a buffer COVID-related. Yep. You know, we don't need to be bringing 10 guys into your building on a Tuesday to work out. You feel like you have a position for each, a depth guy for each position on your practice squad. So teams can sign them. It's not claiming them. They sign them. And that's what, um, uh, for example, Jackson Barton, Colt seventh-round pick last year, big tackle out of uh, Utah. Is that where he went? Yeah, Utah. He's on the Colts practice squad. The Chiefs have all those O line injuries. They claim they they sign him, not not claim, not, not claim. They sign him off the Colts practice squad. The Colts could match; they could promote him as well to the fifty three man roster. And then I think the players allowed to decide. The Colts in that situation probably were like, "We like our fifty three. You know, maybe they didn't love what they've seen out of Barton. You know, may, maybe they just don't have as dire of a need to promote him, mm-hmm. and." He'd just be a worthless body on the 53-man roster. Barton might might look at it as, hey, I'm not getting any looks here. Why don't I go to Kansas City where I'm one injury away from playing? Not just on the 53-man roster, because you're making a 53-man roster game check, which is a lot better than, than the practice squad. Um, practice squad's still great money. I think it's like seven grand a week or something like that. Um, so, yeah, that's how it works. And then if you sign someone from an opposing practice squad, they must be on your 53-man roster for at least three weeks. Okay. So, basically, you can't just play the game of I'm signing my next opponent just to get, like, intel. Mm-hmm. You know, there there is a little bit of, hey, you've got to have him up for at least three weeks. So, uh, if you have any other questions, Brandon, DM me about that. But that's that's pretty much how the practice squad works. If Philip Rivers becomes an elite game manager, do you think the Colts could use could have a 49er like season if TY or Campbell get hurt again this season? Could you see Hines starting to line up at wide receiver more like Christian McCaffrey? Mm. Who is that Trenton? Trenton, yes. Trenton, that's a good. Well, I will say elite game manager is that an oxymoron? <laughs> like elite game manager. I I don't really know if that's uh uh, Joe Flacco, the elite game manager. Uh, Chad Pennington, the elite game manager. I don't really know if that's the most flattering comment, but having said that, I do I do get what you're what you're saying there. I think I referenced game manager earlier for uh, Rivers. Um, could have a 49ers like season. I'm sorry, but like uh, the 49ers had a D line that was just was just incredible. I I I don't you know the Colts aren't having that. Are you going to give them Nick Bosa, DeForest Buckner, and Eric Armstead and D Ford and uh, Sheldon Day and all, I guess they have a couple of those guys, but certainly not all of them. Um, I think that it. Um, I I I don't think they can get to. I don't think it's just Philip Rivers being elite game manager. All of a sudden, could equate to a San Francisco type of run. I think more things have to happen. Your defense has got to take a big jump. Your O line needs to continue to stay healthy. Your run game needs to continue to be consistent when you're playing the top rushing defenses. So I think it's if you're going to get to the Super Bowl, it's more than Phil Rivers just being an elite game manager. Like there, I think there's more. I mean, we're talking the Super Bowl here. We're talking a ten point lead in the Super Bowl. I mean, we are we are talking you know, 
pretty close to the to the top of the Super Bowl or NFL mountain, I should say. So I think it's going to take a little bit more than that. And I guess I'm a little bit torn on last season with with the Colts and like how to view that season. You know, so many people are like, man, seven and nine, one possession losses, and man, if that kicker was just competent, it would have been ten and six. And, and I hear that crowd out, and I also hear the crowd that's like seven and nine. How many one possession wins? Yeah, like there were a ton. I mean, Tennessee, Denver, um, Houston at home. I mean, there were a lot of one possession wins early in the season where they could have gone the other way. And yes, you would like to think your kicking game improved, but you also had this just incredible and rare offensive line health that you're inevitably not going to get this season. So I, I don't think we can just go off of like last year and just be like, oh, without a doubt, the kicker will be better, the quarterback will be better. Here's 11 wins falling out of bed. Like, it's just not that easy. Um, Hines line up in the slot. Sure. It, it would take injuries. But, um, yeah. Question from John here regarding the quarterbacks. So how surprised would you be to see the quarterback stable end up, end up being Rivers, Eason, and Kelly when the season quote-unquote starts? He's not sold that we have a season oh, as of now. John. Doom and gloom, John. But yeah, yeah. Who knows? Um, I I'd be very surprised because I will say I've come around to the point of like I do think there's like a COVID aspect to wanting Jacoby Brissett on your roster. A- SEC coaches would probably do this, Chris, more than NFL coaches. But if I'm a crazy NFL coach, and th- this is absurd, and this goes against every ethical thing in the world, I tell Philip Rivers go contract COVID. Like, do it now. So you're immune and you have antibodies and I don't. I know I have my starting quarterback for 16 weeks. And maybe that's risky. And, again, that's the most ludicrous comment I've probably said <laughs> on this podcast. And the family of Phil Rivers would be like, you're dumb, stop. But, like, if you're a crazy SEC football coach and it's either Joe Burrow or freaking Kevin Bowen. <laughs> yeah, J- Joe, go take a little trip to Florida for me. You know what, Joe? Uh, Orlando seems to be a little, you know, Disney World. Take your girlfriend. I don't know. So go to a nightclub. Yeah. <laughs> like Bourbon Street, actually, just thinking about it. like <laughs> Something. You're not far. Um, I don't know. But I, in all seriousness, the whole COVID reasons, Umber set. He, he he needs to be your backup. And you're almost past the money point. To me, it was never of like, that's so dumb to have Brissett as your backup. No, like, I get it. You want They want a quality backup. They believe in the two to three games. We need this guy to come in and win a, win a football game. I totally understand that. I've explained my thoughts on Eason and the long term. But at this point, you know, what? what's an extra X amount of money going to do for you this, this season? I, I, I just... Not much, to be honest with you. And, and you also wonder about preseason reps. If you're only playing two or three preseason games, what are you going to see out of Easton that all of a sudden's like, that dude can be your backup from day one? Yeah. I just don't. I, I'd i be very surprised. Another over-under. This one's from Corey. If set at one and a half, would you take the over or under on the number of players from Ballard's 2017 draft class that will still be on the Colts roster in 2021? Oh, man. That's a really good one, Corey. Are you Corey Zidonis, high school teammate of mine, tremendous golfer, winner of the 2008 Individual Golf <laughs> State Championship, assistant coach at IU, tremendous. Great golf course down in, in Bloomington, I hear. Um, if set at one and a half, boy. Gro- Grover Stewart, to me, will get the second contract, so there's one. Okay. Now we're debating. We already got four guys gone from that draft class, so, yeah, so there's re- your one. Re- read those four off if you have them. 
Hooker, Max, Stewart, and Walker are the, are are, the four remaining yeah, from that four draft. Yeah, four remaining. The Gons are Wilson, Banner. Basham, Hairston. Basham, Hairston, yeah. Those Jets. Um, Walker's the biggest debate to me. I, Hooker, I believe, is gone, and I would say Mac is whatever, you know, closer to being gone than, than coming back. Walker's just such a tough debate. You know, I, I, I could see it both ways. Um, I'll go with over, but, man, I don't feel totally confident. I don't. I don't on that. I was listening to Ballard um, on a podcast last week. Maybe it was a couple weeks ago. I don't know. All the days kind of seem <laughs> running together at this point. But um, you know, Ballard's such a fascinating interview. And this goes back to the Grigson thing that I think is such a great quality for a GM to have that I don't think Grigson ever got there. And Ballard has gotten there. And, and publicly admits it. You know, he's not afraid to do that either. You know, you don't have to do that, but I think it makes the fan base and certainly the media helps you out from a content standpoint. But, like, basically Ballard says he kind of drums down his prospects of, do you love football and are you a good teammate? And if you do that, we can probably get over some of the other things. Um, And and he also admit that, like, that he is – I don't know how much he's grown or how much of this, this philosophy has been instilled in him from an early, you know, scouting standpoint, but, like, he basically has said, like, I'm not smart enough to do this on my own. I'm not. So I need to surround myself with people that will challenge me, will help me, will be eyes and ears to an operation that extends far outside of just your little bubble in the back room of watching film at West 56th Street. And he's humble enough to admit when enough is enough. And like move on for the most part, you know there are a few you could nitpick on, but it's you know Ballard I think is always a how do you improve, how do you get better, um, how do you keep getting better every day if you're not willing to admit that you need growth, like and I don't think every GM in the league thinks like that. I just yeah. there's just this title, this walking around with you know what you think is bigger than everyone else's, you know what like it's just. And um, I think Ballard has, he's willing to do, and that is such a critical, critical piece for any managerial position, regardless of industry. And Ballard has that. And that uh, that's another reason why I think you feel better about things moving forward. I know that's not tangible wins and losses, but that is an element to his leadership that I think is just easier to gravitate towards and why people believe in him more. I mean, when you can check your ego at the door. Oh. It's huge. Huge. I mean, it's <laughs> monumental. Why, why have these scouts? Why? Yeah. You know, why, why if you're going to be a, if they're going to be all yes men to you and you aren't going to listen to their opinion, why have them? That's uh, ignoring and totally overpaying for 18 people in your organization or however, like it's a collaborative effort and he's, he's open to being challenged and that's huge. This question comes from Matthew. Considering the combined salaries of Rivers and Brissett, is there another team in the NFL heading into 2020 with more money tied up in the quarterback position? No. <laughs> no one close. I want to say it's... um. Uh, cap hit? Look that up. Oh, uh, I looked up just salary, not cap hit. Oh, yeah, I'm just looking. Because yeah. I was floored at what I found. What what did you find? Cap hit. It, it's no one higher than the Colts. Okay. I looked up just salaries of the every NFL quarterback going into 2020. What their yeah. 2020 salary was going to be. Right. 
The Saints are at forty-one million, and the Colts are at forty million. So the Saints of Breeze, Winston, and Taysom Hill, I assume, is well, included. In actually, that. I didn't even include Winston. Taysom Hill is projected to make sixteen and a half million dollars this year. Holy shit! Which I would I did not expect. So you yeah. might be right in terms of cap hit. Yeah, I just, I just yeah I would I, I just going off of the cap hit. And I, I I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I know I mentioned on a few podcasts. I want to say the Colts were at forty, like forty seven. I mean Rivers is twenty five, mm-hmm. guaranteed, obviously, and then Brissett's twenty one of a cap hit, so that's forty six right there. And then whatever Eason and Kelly, and I I, I don't think Luck, maybe Luck is more in, in the dead money, and like Dallas might have been second because Dallas okay. you know paid Dalton you know a, a decent amount of money, so. And, you know, my my thing is, like, two things, Matthew, to your question. One is, the best part of it is this is a one-year thing. You know, right. sets off the books, Rivers is off the books. My issue is the return on that. Like, I get that quarterback means so much, but... You know, the the four, the $21 million on Brissett's cap pit, there could come a point next season where all of a sudden... You know, you're not getting the level of play that, like, look at last year. Defensive tackle group underperformed. Wideout underperformed. Maybe this year it's corner and it's tight end. And if you had a little bit more money, could you have utilized that to find other people? Like, it, it's the return of, I keep on going back to, Jacoby Brissett, if all things go well, it has a $21 million cap hit to, you know, make sure he hits the power button on the Microsoft Surface for when Rivers comes to the sideline. Yeah, like, and I know it's not that simple because he's one play away from going in the game, and then you really need him. But two hundred twenty-four straight starts, you hope that you know he won't be needed. So, yeah, cap hit is what I've been going off of. Um, so yeah, it, it it's high up. No matter what you look at, it's one of the highest in the league. And you know, Dallas from a return standpoint, yeah, I'd assume Dak is Dak's better than Philip Rivers, right? Yes. Yeah, I think. I'm mean, obviously long term for sure, yeah. but I, I think you know if you're going to win a game tomorrow, I think you would take Dak. to make I plays. Know. I would take maybe Dak. not, maybe not. That'll probably start start a whole new controversy. <laughs> oh my gosh! Can't wait for those Twitter questions. All right, Luis is a listener from Brazil. Oh, and he wishes it. that there was a chance for Cairo Santos to be the kicker here, but he wants to know who will be the kicker. Talk about questions we've never gotten. The Cairo Santos fan club. I. Don't, Let's go chase McLaughlin. I, you know, I, I know that I'm probably in the minority. Everyone wants Rex Specs, and it'll be a nice battle to watch. But, yeah, I found myself watching the um, – I mean, all I do is watch TV, sit on the couch with Rosie, and try to talk to her about golf. And she just, you know, snores and cuddles and poops and pees and makes sounds that I never knew a human being that small can make. Um, we're watching golf on Sunday. Webb Simpson won the RBC Heritage. Webb Simpson has a horrific golf swing. I hate watching him play golf, but damn, he's solid. He I, won pretty handily, didn't he? He did not win handily. He went very deep under par. But like he was like 22. 20, okay. 20, I mean, he went. It was crazy finish. I mean, just throwing uh, bullet. I mean, it was just dart. After, no, not, not honestly dart after dart. It was making putt after putt down the stretch. Basically, what I'm getting at is it's not the prettiest looking thing with Simpson, but he gets it done. Chase McLaughlin, it's not the prettiest looking operate. He's got kind of a funky routine, if anyone's ever watched it, like before he kicks. He doesn't have the biggest leg in the world, but he just kind of got it done last year. So, 
good. <laughs> you know, you got it done at a high level. Let's get it done again. So I'll go Chase McLaughlin, Luis. Mark wants to know who has a better chance of making the roster and producing, Patton or Fountain? Making it and producing? Neither. I mean, they're just so far down the depth chart. Like, a guy that I am totally a fault of not giving enough attention to this offseason and we've forgotten about him is like, hello, I'm Zach Paschal. Here I am. <laughs> like, let's not forget about him. I mean, that means Patman or Fountain at best is fifth on the depth chart. So, in, in 2020, I got to go with neither. And Fountain or uh, Pascal's still relatively young. I want to say he's like 25-ish. Okay. Um, if you're going to make me pick on like making the roster and producing, I maybe Fountain. Patman's film to me, Chris, is very. I leave wanting more, and obviously he's a six round pick for a reason. Like you're six four two twenty five and run four four. If you showed a lot on film, you wouldn't be drafted two hundred twelve overall or wherever he was picked. So I I know full well. Um, why that's the case. But, like, when you watch film of him, it's like he subs out every other series. Washington State has, like, 37 wideouts they put in the game. And he just is an outside uh, right wideout, if you're looking at the formation, and runs a very simple route tree. There's just not a lot there to – I'm like, oh, that's a day one impact Mm -hmm. guy in the NFL. So, um, hey, tools to work with. You draft them for a reason. Coaching, coaching, coaching. And, honestly, you probably have room on the practice squad. You've already touched on this a couple of times, so you can keep this short if you want. But Tom wants to know, with the possibility that we could lose players four weeks at a time due to COVID-19, do you think it's smart that the Colts have held on to Jacoby Brissett now? Yeah, I mean, smart. I probably won't go all the way there, given the money value. But I, I understand why teams are going to look at the situation and say quality depth, regardless of, of position, especially quarterback, means a lot more. Um, and for what it's worth, <laughs> Phillip did say, Rivers, that uh, what other Philip would there be? Philip Wheeler, former Colt <laughs> linebacker. Um, Rivers did say they're thinking about homeschooling the kids again. Maybe that'll help with the quarantine. You Maybe. imagine homeschooling nine kids? Nope. Like it's not like you put all nine in one room and be like, go learn for the day. They're all different ages. Yeah. The Rivers family fascinates me. Doctor P wants to congratulate you and also hope that you are getting some sleep. Thank you, Doctor P. Yes, we actually got great sleep last. I, I mean, I put great in quotes, but yeah compared to Monday night was hell. Uh, he wants to know, he wonders if you know if the players have a preference of playing with or without fans. Oh, for sure with fans. Yeah. I mean, from a monetary standpoint, you're going to improve your revenue and keep the salary cap a little bit higher. It's not like a huge amount, but it's a notable amount. And like, the players are entertainers to agree. Yes, you know, I always thought, like, remember Rocky Boyman? You remember, yep. you know, redhead, redhead yep. St. X kid, I think, with the Notre Dame. I always felt like he would play, uh, he'd play a doubleheader on, on concrete if if you wanted him to. But, like, there are some guys that are wired like that. There are other guys that, like, want to play in front of fans. Uh, I don't know if Eric Ebron who will be loving to play in front of empty stadiums. Yeah. There is a performance aspect to it that, even just at the base of, like, they love having their family there. Not even fans. Like, you, I mean, just think about it. Any atmosphere you've been in, do I want to go watch a game of, and no no hate on Ball State football, but it's my mom's alma mater, so I can hate. Do I want to go to LSU Alabama at night, or do I want to go to Ball State versus Bowling Green on Tuesday in, in Muncie? I was going to say, it's a, a Tuesday or Thursday kick, yeah, too. Yeah, so. right, exactly. <laughs> uh, Dill Street's only open for, yeah, Cheeks is saying Ball, <laughs> Ball State over here. And, I mean, chirp, chirp, homeboy. Yeah, so you quarter- can work your way down closer to the field. <laughs> that's what Yeah, that's exactly what he's saying. Who was the quarterback they had? Nate, uh, 
Hey, uh, Davis? Yeah, couldn't he, read a playbook, right? He, he was with the Colts for a minute. Was, know, was that his thing? I know he went to, I think the Niners drafted him, but they quickly realized that he did not know how to execute the playbook. So, yeah. Well, yeah, it's probably. No, but winning was, he was on a roster for a minute. You know, the guy who's really had a nice career, who I know Frank Reich loves, is um, the IU kid, Sudfeld. Yep. Philly. Is he Carson Wentz's backup? I think he is now. Or do they have another one? Well, now they oh, have. Oh, now they drafted. Uh, what's his name? Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I, I think definitely with fans, Dr. P. All right. Mike Mike wants to know, for Justin Houston to earn another contract in Indy for next year, he will have to blank besides aging backwards. <laughs> that's a good one, Mike. Uh, boy, that's a, that's a great question. Um, have another double-digit sack season. And, and this is out of his control, have none of the young guys emerge. Yeah. I, I think it's kind of a twofold. And a lot of it is like, what will that contract look like? One year, two year, you know, something like that. Um, Banigou is, is the name that I keep on coming back to. You know, he is that name. Um, but, yeah, that is a good one. Let's stay on the D-line. Alex wants to know, Stewart or Autry will be starting next to DeForest Buckner at defensive Stewart. Back. Yeah, I think Stewart. I think you need that body, the big, the big rundown guy and i like autry out at end but that, that'll be versatile you know that'll be a lot of down and distant sort of sort of um factoring into there daniel wants to know what's the best stadium you've been to as a fan and as a reporter best stadium i've been to as a fan and as a reporter so who's the best spread <laughs> <laughs> yeah that uh always helps right i think wembley's the best stadium oh yeah, yeah, just I mean, awesome. I mean, I, I think I've mentioned this before in a few podcasts. Like, NFL stadiums are not the biggest stadiums in the world. College stadium. The best college stadium I've been to is um, is the big house. Notre Dame at Michigan, night game. God, what a brutal loss. Uh, Denard Robinson. Eminem was in the press spot or was on TV that night. I don't know if you ever remember Brent Musburger. Making sense. Yeah, <laughs> just looking at Eminem like, oh, my gosh, Marshall, what are you saying? Um, so as a fan, the big house. Best stadium I've been to as a reporter, Wembley. Just pure like structure of a stadium is that I would say environment. Seattle. And then I was a sucker for both Lambeau and, and Buffalo. I less stadium for Buffalo. I, I had an appreciation for Buffalo of like, here's this kind of just shitty stadium. But like these people love like we're in the middle of nowhere in Western New York. Yep. Like for an NFL team, that's kind of the middle of nowhere. And I just had a Great appreciation for uh, just the atmosphere around Lambeau and uh, and Buffalo going to those games. Alex, who looks like also goes by Dutch Master, wants to know, can you give a Colts player on each side of the ball that you think could have a disappointing season? Boy, this is just, I hate answering these. Because I know, uh, you're predicting they're going to have disappointing. No, I'm answering the question. Who could? You know, I'm curious about Malik Hooker's psyche. Yeah, how does he play? A lot of pressure on him internally, outside, all that. I, I mentioned Ture's injuries. You know, a few. Po- I had someone chime in about, "Oh my gosh, you don't think Ture can get to a second contract?" I'm like, "Have you seen the injury history? Like, there's a reason why. There are some questions." Um, Rocky seen just does he correct kind of the technique thing that that he really wants to work on? So those are some of the names. Oh, he wants each side of the ball, doesn't he? Yep. Offensively, I know I've mentioned O line before. Just the depth of that group. I would say Burton and and Campbell. Those would be and those are injury related, injury related for sure. 
So at what age will baby Bowen attend her first Colts game? Congratulations again to you and the family. That's from Michael. How old does that happen? Boy. Um, I mean, how? I, I don't know. How old do people take babies to games? Like, I think what's... it depends. Like, you're going to do, like, the headset thing. Oh, yeah, the big old earmuffs. Age, like... Yeah, I don't think my wife cares that much about, how, I guess how old, like, what's... I'm not a father, um, right. and I'm not trying to answer this for you. I guess what's the maximum age before I have to pay for the ticket? That That's a great question. That, uh, yeah, I wouldn't know. I mean, when's the age you pay for a flight ticket for him? You know, I, I don't know those things. Those are things I probably should start looking up. I know that my uh, my brother-in-law took his son to a Butler game, okay. uh, and I think he was only like two and said like his son just hated it, thought it was way too loud. Mm-hmm. Now, a college basketball atmosphere, I mean, you got a band. Uh, the Butler Bulldog is probably scary. You know, like, there are a lot of things going on there. Um, I don't know. Maybe the big earmuffs on them and you just strap them in there. But, boy, I'm going to go out on a limb and say Maddie Bowen. Don't think she'll be itching to uh, to go to a Colts game anytime soon with, uh, with Rosie Bow. Mark wants to know, when do you think the Colts start long-term contract talks with Nelson and Leonard? Leonard next offseason. Uh, don't want to – don't – don't think he deserves, don't want him to play in a contract year next year. Nelson, I don't think you can do it this early. You know, he's what? This will be year three for Quentin. Mm-hmm. Um, you can pick up his fifth-year option next offseason. So, I mean, you're paying him pretty handsomely for that fifth year. So, I would think another year after that for Nelson. Um, but, yeah, those are those are obviously some big paydays coming down the road. All right, Suarez wants to put Rosie in the GM seat. Oh, whoa. What would Rosie think about Ballard giving up next year's first-round pick and Malik Hooker for Jamal Adams? The Jets seem to love our defensive backs. Oh, no. No, no, no. Rosie Bow saying no, and not just because it rhymes. Um, No. First-round pick? Yep. Yeah, I, I'm, just, I'm not doing that for a safety. I'm not. I'm not doing that. And Hooker. Uh, I mean, that seems to be quite the package. Granted, Hooker's probably walking anyways. But, again, people need to need – to, I understand these questions, but first off, didn't Adams come out with a list of teams? I didn't see the Colts on it. We were not. It was like seven teams, and we did yeah. not make that cut. Um, I still have this like thought in the back of my mind of like I want that first round pick for a future quarterback, but like that's where I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. And I just think the Colts are kind of saying like I don't know how much. It, it, it's weird in a way they're saying I don't know how much safety means to this defense, but yet they've invested. I mean, think about if you were to trade. A first-round pick for Jamal Adams. That means in the Chris Ballard era, you have invested two first-round picks, a third, and a fourth at safety. That's absurd. So, I'm not, uh, that to me is a luxury upgrade. I like Adams to a degree. Don't know if I love his fit. But, um, and aren't you going to have to pay him? Yeah. You know, you're going to have to pay him a healthy chunk. And um, we just rattled off. Nelson, you're going to pay. Leonard, you're going to pay. I mean, how many, what, 12 starters are free agents this year? Uh, No. No, no, no. And I think Adams could be a bit of a loose cannon. Yeah, you talk about locker room. Like, what did you say about Ballard, the two? Are you a good teammate? Yeah. Are you good at football? uh, Do you love football and are you a good teammate? Yeah, I don't know how how, how the good teammate works. I know there's an an amount of friction you want to have, but that seems to be a 465-size friction. From Tony, who is your sleeper acquisition from the Colts free agency? Oh, um, I think Burton. You know, he was a month into free agency. 
Um, I think he's a better blocker than, than we give him credit for, so I think he'll be used a lot, but in kind of a unique way. So, yeah, he would be uh, he'd be my sleeper. TJ Carey I kind of forget about, but, I mean, he's not going to play. Chase is a it looks like season ticket holder. He wants to know, won't it be more complicated than every other seat? For example, they have seats 22, 23, and 24 in a row. If they said that the odds, if they say the odds go to one game, then the evens go to next, somebody gets shafted and has to go alone. He thinks that they'll have to do rows or sections the entire as a whole, spreading them out across two to three, but he hasn't heard anyone mention something like this. Yeah, I know. I, you are right with this, Chase. I know I mentioned something along these lines a few weeks ago, and I guess I'm an, I'm an idiot. Um, you can't just go odds and evens. But, I mean, like, Oh, I guess what I'm meaning by odds and evens is like, do they take your three-person group and do they sit you odds and evens? Or do you just sign a waiver of like, all right, the Presley family of four, we all want to sit together, like right next to each other. Mm-hmm. We don't want to be spread out within that section. I mean, you know, this group of three is here. This group of seven is here. It's just like, you, it's a crazy puzzle piece that you're trying to fit 60, not 60,000, but into 60,000 seats. So I, yes, I guess you're right, Chase. I think what it comes down to is, you're only going to be able to go to, like, half the games. And this is me just spitballing like none other. And it'll be more of an every other row type of feel to these groups. You know, there will be six feet within however many people you have bought your tickets with. So if it's a solo ticket, okay, you're alone. If you got a family of four, okay, you're going to be in this little four-person group, and then it'll be six feet until the next person. That's how I would assume. It would go, but, uh, you know, what, I'm not planning on breaking into the Colts ticket headquarters anymore or anytime soon and and doing that. Well, how, how long have we been going? I feel like we've been going forever. We're at uh, an hour and 17. Okay. Let, let, let's do three more. Okay. And then we'll, uh, and then we'll call today. All right. Uh, this one I thought was pretty interesting. Nate wants to know if you could pick one wide receiver core from the state of Indiana to be the Colts for the next 10 years, would you take the Colts? Purdue, Notre Dame, or IU. Feels like this is the most talented wide receiver wide receiver core across the state in a very long time. What a question. Boy, Nate's mind. Um it, it's a it's a really interesting question. I will say it's a very obvious answer. It, it is the Colts. I mean, Paris Campbell and Michael Pittman are twenty two years old and they were drafted in the second round for a reason. Um having said that, Purdue's wide out glass. <laughs> Of Rondell Moore and David Bell is uh, is a bit. In, do, does IU have good wideouts? I guess I should know. I went there. Um, I can't say I really follow IU football very closely. Um, I feel like they have like one good wideout every year. Yeah, but, I, like none of them. I mean, Cody Latimer gets drafted. That's like it. Uh, Notre Dame lost Claypool. Kevin Austin. I hope can stay out of trouble and be the real deal. But yeah, Col- uh, yeah. P- I mean, Pittman and Campbell are still young. Like uh, yeah, I mean, you're gonna lose Hilton for the next ten years, but. Uh, Two 22-year-old guys that were drafted in the second round. Sign me up. Question from Benji. He has to ask, with the future murky at the quarterback position, do you like the thought of bringing Kaepernick in for a workout? Oh, boy. I forgot about this one. Um, Sure, why the hell not? Will it happen? No, it won't. I mean, I, I feel like something with Cap is like, and I always love watching Kaepernick play. I, I'm, a, I'm a big kind of dual threat quarterback guy. And uh, I love watching those those Nevada teams play, but like Cap, uh, yeah, 
He ain't the future. What, what is he, 33, 34? It's got to be around there. He's, he's old, and he you know, hasn't you know, been on an NFL roster in X amount of years. So I, I just don't see the Colts going there. You know, if they can, you know, do all the things that they want, but, like, actually bringing Cap in and actually signing him is a whole – I saw Anthony Lynn say, like, um, he's on our workout list, and then, like, a Chargers – Beat reporter tweeted out, I give it a 1% chance the Chargers actually sign him. Like, it's one thing to say, like, oh, he's on our list, but, like, actually signing yeah. him, that's still a hurdle that I don't know if NFL teams are, are ready to fully take yet. Um, and I think just the drama of how, like, the last workout went down was a little awkward with all of that. And, and like, you know, teams will always fall back on the he doesn't fit our system excuse. Like, he is the dual threat. And, like, if he's your backup, are you creating a totally different offense for him? Mm-hmm. You know? But I would just be intrigued to see what he looks like. So I, I, w- I would um, work him out. But in no way, shape, or form do I think he is the answer, you know, to your long-term quarterback need. We'll close up with a more lighthearted and fun uh, question from Mitchell. All right. What's a better fantasy football pun? All rivers to the Hilton? Or all the rivers in Paris. Ah, uh, <laughs> that's good. All rivers to the Hilton, or all the rivers in Paris, Paris, Paris Campbell. That's good, Mitchell. Fantasy names are good. Do you do you have any good fantasy names in back in your day, or I guess in your current day? I'm trying to remember what I've had. I've never been. I think I've had some other that I probably can't. Honest, I th- I have one actually that I know of that I can't say publicly. Um. Yeah, and now that I have a daughter, I probably shouldn't say it out loud either. Um, let's go with, uh, I like All Rivers to the Hilton. Okay. That's good. You got any? Any uh, any of your past names that have been good? I can't remember, which is terrible. You, 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 you strike terrible me as a guy that would come up with pretty creative Oh, and I'm a guy that plays in like five leagues. Yeah. It's like one with my family that's just for fun. It's not like one Chris with college Presley's buddies. Team. No, but there are like I think three that I just called my team the future champs. Like mm-hmm. I was like, I'm so tired of trying to come up with yeah, yeah with yeah, names. Yeah. I, I wanna say like Des Bryant always had always had good ones. Um Yeah, I can't remember off the top of my head. Which is yeah. sad. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. People. No, no, no. That's that, that, that that's fine well. All right. That, that that wraps it up. Uh, again, I know we've missed probably, what, 10 questions that we didn't get to. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll get to those next time. There were a lot of other questions that we didn't get to have a chance to get to. And no worries. I've compiled the list, and this is what the summer months is all about. We will get to these questions. And, um, yeah, we'll make, we'll, we'll, we'll make sure to uh, get through everybody's questions. If you have any others that you didn't get in or sparked some interest, the DMs are, uh, are always open. Go get some sleep. Yeah, um, I will try. And um, thank you all again for listening to this podcast, for the nice notes and comments about Rosie Bow and uh, Maddie, and they're both healthy and doing great, and that's the most important thing. So sorry for the one-week hiatus. Um, but, yeah, we will try to stick to – I know both of us, you're going to be out a few days coming up. I'll be out a few days as well coming up. So uh, it might not be as on schedule, but we will we will definitely make it work here. Uh, leading into training camp. So uh, he's Chris Presley. I'm Kevin Bowen. Cheeks in studio. Everybody have a great week and uh, enjoy the summer. See you.